It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Benjamin Hall, and I'm searching for heroes. Ladies and gentlemen, it is such a pleasure to be with you today to launch this podcast and try to bring to you some stories of resilience, courage, and bravery. And the reason I want to do this, the reason I'm so fascinated by this is because it's how I feel. It is the one thing that has stuck to me after the attack in Ukraine last year and throughout my recovery from the injuries. It is the idea of resilience and who has it. And I honestly think that resilience Courage and bravery, they're not only out there, but they drive us. They make us better. They define the best of us, and they should guide us. They are the backbone of a great nation, of a strong family, and I think we must aim for them all the time, every day. And I know this because of the last 18 months and what happened to me. I was blown up, was torn apart, and almost died. I lost a close friend and others by my side. My whole crew were killed that day right alongside me, but I found a way through. And I am standing here today stronger because of it. And that is down to one thing. It is down to a collection of people, the heroes around me who saved me, who rebuilt me, who motivated me, who willed me on, who shared their generosity with me, who risked their own lives for me. And I'm reminded by them every single day that courage, resilience, and bravery exist in every corner and in places you hadn't realized in people you hadn't expected. And that's why I want to bring you this podcast. Now, some of you would have heard the story from me in the past, or you would have read my book. But for those who haven't, I will explain again what happened that day last year in Ukraine, because it is at the very core of what I want to convey. It was March the 14th, 2022, and I was in Ukraine covering the Russian invasion of the country. I'd been there for a couple of weeks and we knew that the Russians were right around the capital city of Kiev, and we thought they were moving in. We wanted to do a story one day of the defenses that the city was building. And so our team, myself, my cameraman, Pierre Zakchevsky, our fixer, Sasha Kushinova, and two Ukrainians, we got in a car and we set out for the town of Harenka. And we filmed some great work that day. We filmed the village totally destroyed, flattened to the ground by Russian bombardments. And I remember thinking what a Great story we were telling, a clear indication of the brutality of the Russians. Time we thought the Russians were about 30, 40 miles away, and we had done our security checks. We knew where we thought they were, and we moved quickly, and we moved carefully. We finished filming, and we were driving back towards Kiev itself. The area was totally abandoned, and we came up to a small checkpoint. No one there. And as the car slowed down, we, we turned to one corner, and out of nowhere came this this noise that I've heard so many times in war zones before, the, the shrill whistle of the missile, and it landed in front of us, maybe 30 feet out of nowhere, a big bang, an explosion, and there was a bit of chaos in the car. Turn around, we said, reverse, reverse, and a second later, the second bomb landed right next to the car, right alongside us. That one blacked me out, and I know I got a lot of the facial injuries from that, shrapnel in the eye, a big piece of shrapnel in my neck, but I was out cold. I think I was close to death, and all I could see was the blackness, and it was all so calm at that point. But right then, right in front of my eyes, I saw my daughter, 
my seven-year-old daughter, Honor, standing right in front of me, into my mind. And she said to me, in this moment of peace, she said, Daddy, Daddy, you've got to get out of the car. You've got to get out of the car. And she brought me back. I came back and I opened my eyes and without thinking, I grabbed for the door and I started moving. And I managed to get one foot out of the door. I wasn't sure what was happening. And as soon as I took a step out of the door, the third bomb hit the car itself. That one threw me away. And again, I was knocked out. When I woke up, I was on fire. My right leg was gone, barely hanging on. And I remember rolling around to try and put the flames out all over my body. My left foot had largely been taken off. Thumb was hanging off. My hand was destroyed. And I was just lying there, trying to figure out how badly injured I was. Alongside me was Pierre, our cameraman. And immediately I said, Pierre, Pierre. And he just said, don't move, Russian drones, Russian drones. So I lay there for a little bit, looking at myself. And again, after a while, I said, I've got to go, Pierre. I've got to go, I'm badly injured. Don't move, he said, don't move. Pierre saved my life that day. He got out of the car before I did. And had he not gotten out of that car, I would have been stuck in that car. I wouldn't have made it. So we lay together. And after a while, out of nowhere, a car came past. Now, it didn't see me, and I was waving and shouting at it, but it just kept going past our car that was still burning. And it disappeared. The only car, I said. Could get no cell phone reception. Couldn't contact anyone. No one knew we'd been hit. It was just a broken team, myself badly injured, Pierre lying next to me. And I remember saying to Pierre, I said, it doesn't matter how injured I am. It doesn't matter if they're Russians. I've got to go. And what I could think of with my daughters. And I said to myself, I'm going home no matter what it takes. I will crawl myself. And I started to do that. Started to pull myself up towards the road, back up. And amazingly, that car that had passed earlier had some engine problems down the road. It turned around. About 10 minutes later, it came back. And after about 40 minutes of, of waiting there, trying to figure out life and death and all the thoughts. And I will go into those thoughts later. But that car came back again. And I threw some rocks at it and I waved and I shouted at it. And it came and they picked me up. But that was what happened that day. And it led to an incredible story of recovery and resilience and the evacuation itself. What I later found out was that Pierre had, had died while he was lying there next to me. He'd bled out. I didn't find that out till later. But I do look back and I remember that that day he definitely saved me. But then began a big process to evacuate me. Fox found out eventually and Jennifer Griffin was sitting in DC at the Pentagon when she heard. And all they knew was that the Fox News team had been hit and could they find us? Who was alive? Who was dead? Eventually reports came in that one person had survived but the rest had died. But immediately Jen picked up the phone and called Sarah Verrado who founded an incredible charity called save our allies. And they are specialists in going into difficult places and saving Americans. They were in Afghanistan when Afghanistan fell and they went in and saved many lives there. And as soon as Sarah Verado got the story and Jen Griffin asked that they had team people, she said, we have the best team. And so began this evacuation to get into Ukraine and find me. Nobody knew where I was. I was in a, at first a small little Ukrainian military hospital. This team of veterans set off in two beaten up old ambulances right into the war zone, right to the front lines to come and find me to risk their own lives. And again, we all speak to some of those people as well, incredible heroes, people who have won numerous medals. 
but they found their way in. They found me and they managed to get me out right through some of the worst of the lines through Ukrainian checkpoints, being searched at every point. And in the end, we got out with the Polish prime minister. He was on the first secret mission to see Zelensky. We couldn't get out safely. I had a big matchbox sized piece of shrapnel in my neck. They couldn't drive me out. They couldn't fly me out. But if we could break through the curfew in the middle of the night, and if we could get to the Polish prime minister's train, we would be evacuated with him. And that is amazingly what happened. And I'll go into some more details of that incredible story later on. But that got me out. And I had a 10-hour train journey, which was perhaps the hardest part of my life. No pain meds at that point. And I just remember thinking, if you can get through this, you can get through anything. And it wasn't just about surviving the attack. It was about finding the courage to put my life together again, to realize that there was another level of strength inside me. And, and whenever the pain became too big, too great, I remember stopping and telling myself, it's okay. There is goodness on the other side of this. And I was able, in some cases, to put aside the pain. And I know it sounds amazing, but I was able to do that and say, you've got to be stronger now. You've got 10 hours ahead of you and you just have to lie here, badly injured, barely alive, not complain, because I was with the, the experts and the professionals. And I said, the last thing they need is for me moaning, me saying that it hurts. I will just lie here and be quiet. Now, Jen Griffin had spoken to the Pentagon as well and to John Kirby, had even asked them to come in and get me out of Ukraine. But they had said that U.S. policy was that no American boots would be on the ground inside Ukraine. But if they could get me to Poland, then the U.S. military would take care of me and would treat me. And so that was the plan. We, we managed to get out and we managed to get across the border to Poland. And what was waiting right there as I crossed and we got off the train was a Black Hawk from the 82nd. And I remember being lifted into that helicopter and getting that one moment, that moment of realization where I was saved. At that point, I was actually saved. And all the pain disappeared. And I knew that I was going to be better. What's amazing is that in World War II, my father was saved by American soldiers as well. He was 12 years old and he was in the city of Manila in the Philippines. He'd lived under Japanese occupation. He'd lived in a Japanese prison camp. Most of his family had been killed by the Japanese. And at the end of the war, he was just a little boy with his siblings in the streets of Manila. And he knew, he was told to be saved. You have to find the American troops who are coming in. And he led a series of children through the worst urban fighting of the war. One kid shot next to him by a sniper. But the story he always told me was that eventually they found the American soldiers from the Buckeye Division, you know, Ohio National Guard. And they ran down this one road in the middle of this war zone at the age of 12. And he was picked up by an American GI and he was saved that day. Saved by the Americans around the world in the same way that I was saved by Americans around the world. It runs in our family. He ended up going to the US. He went to Stanford and he signed up and served in Korea at the end of the war because he was so proud. He wanted to be an American and that was a way of doing so. So the amount of pride I have of being an American myself, despite the accent, because I may sound English, but I was born and raised as a proud American. We'll be back in a moment with Searching for Heroes. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. The stories from now on are of the most incredible Americans, the ones that make our country so strong, so great. 
I suppose there were a couple of times when I was evacuated from Ukraine, terribly injured when I didn't have much to go on. And it was these people who came around and helped me. Now, throughout this podcast, we will be talking sometimes about difficult experiences and some tough challenges in life and what some of my guests managed to beat back. But what I want to focus on is not what they went through. It's how they picked themselves up, how they found the courage, how they ignited that, how they became strong when they were weak, how they found their identity again. It's a reminder that even in the most brutal moments, there is always light on the other side. I found it myself. I held that in my mind time and time again. You can get through this if you keep trying hard. My guests got through some of the worst. I got through some of the worst. But then life is about ups and downs. Life is an adventure. It's about journeys. And every single one of them makes you stronger. And experiencing each of them makes life amazing. And one other thing I found that all these heroes have is the ability to roll up their sleeves and do hard work. Nothing happens without hard work. I remember as a young journalist struggling to get work. And I remember it was hard work that got me through it. I was trying to become a war correspondent. It must have been in my mid-late 20s at the time. Realizing very early on that if you wanted to succeed, if you wanted to do well, you had to do hard work. You had to go somewhere no one else has gone. You had to tell stories no one else has told. You have to go and find people no one else has met. You have to stay longer than other journalists. You have to go earlier than other journalists. And that's what I did. Me and a photographer called Rick Findler worked together for many years, but we just kept doing it. We crossed rivers up to our necks in water in the middle of the night in Syria to get deep behind enemy lines. We lived in caves with rebels. We bartered ourselves onto a weapons shipment boat in Libya. Illegal, I will add. We embedded with Ugandan special forces in Somalia. Remember, I rode a rowing boat through a storm in Haiti, rode horses in Afghanistan. When we got shot at, we got tear gassed, was arrested and put in prisons in countries you don't want to be arrested in. But I don't know, it was, it was hard work and it was about trying to become the best journalist I could and I was trying to experience perhaps what I'm trying to convey now, the ups and downs of life. That's what I found most amazing about being a journalist. And so it was amazing that what happened to me was like one of the stories that I've been telling for so many years. So what I'm talking about is, is that. It's about these incredible people who have found that strength, those who have turned something negative into something good, who have helped others because of the horror that they saw themselves. Now, one of the things that is so interesting, one of the things that I have learned in the last 18 months is that people who go through the terrible events, injuries like mine or others, they go in two directions afterwards. You know, I met many people with injuries just like mine. And People either go in the positive direction where they think that life is amazing and optimistic and they can get through anything, or they go in the negative. They lose their identity. They lose their will to live. And I have been desperate to find out what is it that makes the positive ones positive and the negative ones negative? What is it that gives some people resilience? What is it that gives some people the ability to be up against a wall with nowhere to go, but find another level of strength? And then to say, come on, we've got this. We'll do it together. I've asked every single doctor who has treated me, and there are dozens over the last year and a half. And it's amazing. They all seem to say the same thing. They don't have an answer. They don't know what makes some people resilient and others don't. They don't know if it is from birth or from their upbringing, nature or nurture. But what they do say, one thing that makes people get through it so well is a strong and close-knit family. 
those surrounded by family often pull through, when those that don't often falter. And I will talk about this in the podcast as well. I was lucky, I was blessed that I found an incredible wife, had incredible children, and they were around me, and they were the driving force. My wife, Alicia, my daughter's hero, Iris and Honor, they saved me that day in Ukraine. They pulled me back and kept me alive, and they give me more life, more joy, more reason to live every single day. So I'm a very, very lucky man. Now, there is, of course, journalism, a lot of journalism that will be in this podcast. And with that in mind, I have to say that there will be times where we will have some guests who will be in politics. And I think at that point, we will have to do what a journalist does, and we will have to ask them how they feel, where they stand. Is something right? Is it wrong? And so we'll be having to look at that to see if that kind of resilience can be switched to politicians as well, and perhaps then holding them to account. I think it's important to talk about people's recovery. And so I will tell you a little bit about myself. I was amazingly lucky to be treated inside US military medicine. And when I was first taken out of Ukraine, I was taken to Landstuhl in Germany, where I was treated for 10 days. And that was where they kept me alive. And then after that, I was taken down to the Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio, Texas, an incredible hospital surrounded by incredible military doctors, physios, nurses. And what they did was that they built me back up and they told me that I could get through almost anything. And what is amazing is that they had treated other people who had injuries just like mine. They had spent 20 years treating the injured from Afghanistan and Iraq. And so I went into the center as well, center for the intrepid, and I was surrounded by other people who had been injured like I'd been injured. And that gives you a lot of force as well. I remember at first being in the ICU, lying down, I couldn't move at all. And I was just in bed really for the first six weeks, couple of months, just slowly starting to be able to move your limbs again, move a little bit, move a centimeter here, move there. And um, eventually they asked if I wanted to start learning to walk. And that was the one plan I had. The one thing I wanted to do is if I can walk, then I can go home again. And it is the people there at the hospital that I also want to speak about. They really have gone through some of the things and they've come out the other side and they've done amazing things. And they should be our inspiration in the world. I think there's something else that I need to add as well. It's important to say that sometimes there are some things that you, that you can't come back from. You can't necessarily recover from all the way. And I think amongst them is perhaps the loss of people, loss of friends, loss of family. And of course, back in Ukraine, I lost colleagues around me, Pierre, Sasha, and two Ukrainians. Those are the four that died. And there is no coming back from that. That is perhaps a different kind of tragedy to what happened to me. But I know 100% that if we could speak to them, if I could speak to Pierre, Pierre, who was someone I traveled all over the world with so many times, we were in trenches, we were in wars, felt like brothers. And I know if I could speak to them and speak to Pierre, he would say, go and live your life. Go and do great things. Keep doing what you always did and keep loving it. He would say, keep continuing your job. Don't stop because of what happened to you. Keep smiling. He had the biggest smile on his face, Pierre, every single day. Because he would say, that's what the world is about. So I know they would want us to keep doing that too. And so yes, loss is something. But again, it's something that you can get through. They would want us to move forward and we will do so in their name. Something good that we do in the name of this podcast, I think something good we will try to do is remembering their names as well. 
so that there is a purpose. And I think it should make us better people, focus us a little bit more. Um, war, sadly, is something that we will also talk about. We've seen what's been happening in Israel lately, and I've spoken to some of the family members of the hostages who are being held inside Gaza. And it's difficult to talk to them about resilience right now because they are still right in the middle of it. But we will talk to some of them as well and see how they are coping with it too. But what I find about conflict, and I've covered wars for 15 years, is it's another reminder of the ups and downs of life. Because, look, I started off covering wars because I wanted an adventure. That's the truth of it. I wanted to go out there. I wanted to see the best of the world and the worst of the world. And I really wanted to experience life. I wanted to see things that I hadn't seen before. And I've never, never denied doing that. I absolutely loved the rush at the beginning. Getting somewhere new, going into places you're not supposed to be. And what starts to happen, however is that you start to see the stories of the people who you are talking about. And uh, they can be terrible and sad, but they can also be just equally amazing and brave and courageous. And I would say that I have seen more incredible resilience and strength in war than I have out of it. And again, it's a reminder that I hope we will focus on in this podcast that no matter how bad it is, you have to find a way through. I mean, I think back often to a time in Libya. I remember seeing a mother crying over the dead bodies of her five children who were laid out at her feet, including a toddler, while the shelling continued to demolish the city Misrata around us. And I remember the rebel fighter being injured by shrapnel. He was gripping to life. His eyes were searching all around and he was realizing that he was gone. Just in those last few moments, I saw that in his eyes. and Then he, he died soon afterwards. So I think I've seen many of these things, but what I remember are the positive sides. That's what war is about as well. It's about trying to stop the bad and find the good. Many of the people I speak to will be veterans and we will share our own experiences with conflict as well. I spent some time also with some Yazidi girls who were taken hostage by ISIS. They were made slaves. We were with a family when they brought one of them back from ISIS. They had managed to buy them and their daughter back. And we were there as she crossed at night from Syria to Iraq. She'd been away for a few years and they hugged, hugged her parents for the first time. And there, in that moment, was one of incredible happiness and one of great sadness all at the same time. And I was hit by this feeling of the two most extreme sentiments at once. So that's what this podcast is also about. It's about balancing how you feel and how my guests balance how they feel. And I suppose that's the beauty about life. And I remember recovering in hospital every day. I thought to myself, all right, let's do more today than we did yesterday. Wherever it is, let's keep working hard. Let's keep going. And if one day I took four steps, then the next I would take five. If I hadn't walked to the end of the corridor, I would do it the next day. And then I would walk there faster or I would walk further. And I made sure that there was a smile on the faces of those people around me because they were putting me through difficult things. They were pushing me to the point of real pain, but we were doing it together. And again, this podcast, I will talk about how we do things together. It makes us stronger. It brings us resilience, courage, and bravery. And I suppose my podcast is a tribute to all of them. And I hope that this podcast brings into your life some of their strengths, perhaps shows you some of their weaknesses. But either way, I hope that it makes you realize that life is a wonderful place despite the ups and the downs. And we'll get through it. 
with a smile on our face. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.